Hello and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. My name is Delton, I'll be your host this evening, and with me, of course, as usual, is my lovely wife and yellow player, Haley. Hi there, in lieu of a podcast this evening, we'll be listening to the sounds of the cats using their litter box over the door. You won't be able to hear it, but we can hear it on our side. So entertaining, right? I mean, it's a little annoying when you're trying to record a podcast, but it's fine. Remember whenever Steve used to meow at the door whenever we would come in to record our podcast? Constantly meowing under the door as loud as he could. He had really bad separation anxiety. He still does. It's a lot better. But he, it's a lot better. He now knows that we will return from the other side of the, of the door eventually. Finally. He does not have to meow, though he does still wait outside until we come out. Yes, he does. He really does. Well, welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. This is episode number 62. It's also the end of the world. It is the end of the world. It was nice knowing you all. Nice speaking at you, to you, with you for the last couple of years. We are all now in quarantine. We are. So I don't know if you know, this is a podcast about board games and tabletop games, card games, role-playing games, things of that sort, and we drink beer as well. But me and Haley got back. Uh, earlier this week, so this releases on the 22nd, we got back the 17th, Tuesday night, from Canada in Montreal and Quebec. We should say this is March 17th, for those who are listening to this later on. That's true, March 17th of 2020. We returned from Canada. We left to go to Canada. United States only had like a thousand cases of, no, I'm sorry, it was like 500, was it 500 at the time, or a thousand? I don't know. I think it was like 500 cases of COVID-19. We got back to 1,500 and no longer having NBA games or concerts or things like that. When we left, we had NBA games. We had bars. We had toilet paper. We had the ability to stand five feet and six inches away from each other. But those times have changed. It was, it was a little strange. Delton and I actually got out of Canada mere hours before the border closed. Well, not, they only closed it today, but they announced it was going to close. Or like right when they announced it, I think we were already halfway here. Well, no, because whenever we got up that morning at the hotel, it was the front page of the newspaper. Like oh, that's right. It. That's right. It was such a weird thing. So anytime you travel out of the country, it is a very good idea to register with the Secretary of State, their STEP program. What that does is it connects you with the nearest embassy to where you're staying. So if there's any kind of national emergency or if there is any upheaval, then the government, the U.S. government can alert you, knows where to find you, can either help to coordinate you out of there, or at least provide you information to make safe and smart decisions. Well, so I registered us with the Canadian or the uh, U.S. Embassy in Quebec, which was actually in Montreal, just like right down the street from where we were staying. We got one alert the entire five, six days we were there. Yeah, six. And that alert was on Saturday. It said, hey, Canada's closing its borders to Europe. And we're like, oh, okay. I mean, things are starting to shut down and, you know, we practiced social distancing our last couple of days there because things are really starting to get real and we took precautions and all that jazz, but we never heard anything about the borders closing until the day we were leaving. We picked up the newspaper and the headline said America, U.S. or U.S. Canadian border closing and we're like, oh snap, we better get out of here. It changed very, very quickly and from the time we left that there was all, all around, let's say a thousand cases to today there's like 15,000 oh, or 18,000 I think I have a guide it has increased significantly very quickly and so we are quarantined at home 
Uh, I've only had to leave the house two times. One, I had to drop my check off to make sure I got paid. And two, I had to sit in my car and let somebody bring me out a laptop so I can work from home for the next 10 business days until I can go back into work after a 14-day quarantine as long as there's no symptoms come up. So we are home and safe, and we hope everybody that's listening and their families are also home and safe because it's kind of crazy what's going on. I don't want to dwell on it because it's been a lot of negative news, but that's kind of part of what was going on with our Canada trip. So moving past that part... Let's talk about the positive parts. uh, Montreal is by far one of the coolest cities I've ever been in, and I want to go back in the summertime, me and Haley talked about, to go see all the big open markets and things like that. So I don't know if you all knew this, but Friday, uh, Friday the 13th, woo, was Delton and I's five-year wedding anniversary. Woo, five years. Which is absolutely insane. We've been together for eight years this year, married for five. Uh, five years ago, we eloped at Voodoo Donut Shop in Denver, 250 bucks for a legal wedding and a box of donuts. Heck yeah. It was a bargain. And so we spent our anniversary in Montreal eating vegan sushi and the next day getting massages. And we went to a former convent turned bar. It was just a grand old time. But mostly we just walked around, ate, and saw sights. We just walked the streets of Mon- Montreal, as we soon learned. It's not Montreal. It's Montreal. I'm sure I'm still butchering that. But really, we had a great time. And so far, we've actually made the most of quarantine as well. So before we get into what we've done in quarantine, do you want to talk about the beer? I will in a second. Uh, Montreal has great vegan food. Absolutely fantastic. But one of the things, before we talk about the beer, that I wanted to bring up, uh, some of you listeners may be gluten-free. Some people have celiacs, some people have an allergy, some people just prefer to live that lifestyle, how we prefer to live vegan even though we don't have an allergy or something. We found a gluten-free beer company in Canada called Glutenberg, and Glutenberg actually is distributed through the United States. You can't get it in like Oklahoma, Texas, but Missouri has it. Most of the East and West Coast has it. Every bordering state except for, is it Wisconsin that's between two pieces of Michigan? Uh, Wisconsin did not have it. And, and then like Idaho Montana and Montana. Uh, but a bunch of other states do, and it was fantastic. I've never had a gluten-free beer that is so tasty, and they even have a gluten-free non-alcoholic one as well. And they've got like seven different styles, but we had one, and it was very good. Absolutely delicious. We had it at a place called uh, Cupfer and Kim in Montreal. It was a completely gluten-free vegan restaurant. Unless you, like, I guess a couple things on the menu were marked as having wheat or gluten in them. It was very interesting. But that beer, if you're gluten-free, is definitely worth checking out if you can find it. And so what are we drinking today, honey bun? Today, we are cracking open a Sierra Nevada Bigfoot barley wine. Now, I think we've drank one of these on the podcast before. I think maybe both these beers today. One, we didn't stock up on beer before the quarantine happened for us. But two, we have a supply of beer. (laughs) We do, and we need to get through it. Uh, This is a Bigfoot barley wine ale. This is from 2013, and we've been aging it. It is 9.6 alcohol by volume. To read their description, Bigfoot is a beast of a beer, brimming with flavor from massive amounts of roasted malt and spicy hops, brewed in the barley wine style with a rich, bittersweet body and whole cone Pacific Northwest hops. So Delton had bought me this four-pack when I first started drinking beer about a year into our relationship. And then I bought the 2014 whenever I graduated from college, my undergrad. I told myself I could drink it whenever I graduated with my master's. And so three years later, when we graduated 
Delton graduated with a bachelor's and I got my master's, we actually split a couple of these open. But that's the last time we had one of these was May 2017. I think we had one on the podcast at some point. I could be wrong. I don't think we did. But we might have. We might have. But even so, it's probably been at least a year or two. And we only have four of these left, two 13s and two 14s. It's going to be sad because they're hard to find now because I don't think they've been putting them out. But just to celebrate our five-year wedding anniversary and the end of the world, we figured, mm. ah, we might as well drink it. Prost. Zoom vol. Now, when we say end of the world, of course, the podcast is going to keep going and <laughs> things like that. <laughs> We're making ourselves laugh about a big situation. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, this is a serious situation. Social. 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 Wow. Social. Wow. Socially distance yourself, everybody. Keep your hands to yourself. Wash them regularly. Don't get your cooties everywhere. Make sure our most vulnerable are safe and healthy by doing your part as a proud member of planet Earth. There you go. Let's drink some beer. Give this beer a whiff. Oh, it's so sweet smelling. You can smell the sweetness. It's insane. The longer this goes, the better it tastes too, man. This is about to be delicious. Yep, go ahead and take that first drink and let us know what it's like. Oh, it's like a hearty candy. There's a sweetness. There's a little bit of alcohol on the back end, but hardly any. It's, it's very balanced and warm. It's like you're eating rye bread that just came out of the oven. It has that sweet. But cold. But it's <laughs> filling, but it has that warmth about mm-hmm. it, you know? It's very sweet, it's very dense, very filling, well-balanced, delightful, perfect. Has a good, smooth mouthfeel, a very rich taste to it, even though there is a lot of sweetness in there, it's a very rich, like you said, uh, like filling. It's, I mean, you take a drink and you can tell your mouth has this drink. It's not like some where they're thinner. It's not that this is thick either, it just has a... A full, robust feel. A robust, full body. Very, very good. Delightful. If you can find Sierra Nevada Bigfoot, we highly recommend it. We've had 2013 and 2014, and I think we drank a whole four-pack of 2015 at some point. Yes, and I haven't seen it since. It's been five years since I've seen it on the shelves. It's usually seasonal, but I haven't seen it in the past several years. So while we're drinking this, do you want to talk about what we've been doing on quarantine so far? So far in quarantine, uh, I've been watching a shitload of Naruto. (laughs) Uh, because I have to work from home and I work on a laptop that we do like a whole, you know, safety VPN, this and that confirmed through a dual verification on my phone and it goes to my computer and I can work from my work computer and do what I can. So I'm basically checking emails and doing stuff like that. So if there's not anything to do, I'm just kind of sitting and waiting. So I've been watching a lot of TV, um, which has been nice because it's not that different than normal work, but I guess they've been paperwork busy and I feel bad but they won't let me come to work. So I just kind of have to, you know, fight through it. But I've been doing that. And then in the evenings, I've actually been playing video games again. Uh, I was playing the Witcher video games for a while. Very hardcore. Beat the first one. Uh, I've gotten a little while into the second one. And I basically, I just went too much too fast. So I had to start playing some other stuff. And I'm now playing Destiny 2 since it's free. And I have several friends, Andrew and Elijah, that play. And I've been able to play some with them. And it's been good. Asked Delton what, how long it was from the time he landed in the United States to the next time he showered. So when we landed Tuesday night, I showered because we were like, let's wash everything off. Let's keep our clothes in the garage. We'll wash them as we go. It's also when we found out our dryer belt had busted and I had to order one to replace the part as well as another part. I went ahead and swapped out. Anyway, showered Tuesday night 
And I finally showered again last night, which was Friday night. Which was after midnight, so technically this morning. It was like 1 a.m. after I got done playing Destiny with Andrew. He was wearing the same jammies and everything. He just, like, <laughs> lost all sense of time. I, I saw someone post on the internet uh, that we're living in a time right now that feels like uh, December 26th through January 1st. You know, like that you weird time. You just don't time. know what's happening. You don't know what's happening. Nothing makes sense. All your weeks are off because there's so many holidays, and that's what we feel like right now. Well, the issue is working from home, I'm out of my routine. We wake up, we make breakfast, I shower, I get around, I drive to work, I show up late, but I clock in anyway, <laughs> and then I go to work. But now it's just like I get up, we make breakfast and eat, goof around a minute, you know, brush my teeth. If I remember to brush my stinking teeth, and not, not just wait till after lunch. And then I go to work on the laptop, and so the routine's broken. It's a little weird. Haley has been working and working from home some. Yeah, I had to go in my first day. I gave everyone conformed consent, like, hey, I just traveled to Canada. You don't have to come in. If you do, you know, we can do phone check-ins da, 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 if you don't want to come in. Um, but no, I, I had to go in. I'm a mental health professional. I'm a, I'm a therapist. I have to be professional at times, not just drink beer in my jammies on a Saturday night recording a podcast. So um, I did have to see a few clients in the office. However, um, I am starting to see everyone online starting this next week, which is great. That way you can truly stay home. I can truly stay home. I can socially distance myself and still you know, see my clients and give that treatment and whatnot. But in the meantime, I've been seeing clients, working from home, editing podcasts for uh, the company I work for, Edmund Counseling Professional Development. We have a therapist podcast, and we're just cranking out podcasts for therapists like crazy. And also tilled my garden today, got my flower-raised bed all cleaned out and dug it down about... 8 to 12 inches all across and tilled that land and raked it out all smooth and got some herbs planted. And tomorrow we're going to plant some taters. We're going to plant some cold weather lettuce and we're going to start some carrots. And I did some cutting on some different plants and trimmed back the wisteria. I finally cut the top off of uh, like a little trellis thing that we had going on one side of the house I've been trying to get rid of. And I finally got that done. I Found out one of the wisteria roots was all rotted out, so I've dug it out and cut it back and pulled it out of the ground. And we just did a lot of yard work today and have a ton of a mess to clean up back there. But uh, it was good. Yeah, we. We. <laughs> I got stuff to do. But it's been good. Canada was fantastic. Montreal was fantastic. Being quarantined's a little funky, but we're getting it figured out. I say let's move to the game. We didn't talk a ton about Canada, but that's okay. Uh, because you'd be bored with me just talking about going to restaurants and walking around, because that's 99% of what happened. We can do a bonus episode. We can always do something like that. We have we have the time. We have the time now. <laughs> we ain't doing shit. <laughs> that's true. Well, I guess after all of that, this has been a, probably our longest intro ever. Let's move into the game so we can progress forward. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's... It's a game. It is currently raining outside. Hopefully our power does not flash in the middle of this recording. That would be absolutely terrible. The game for today is A Fake Artist Goes to New York by Oink Games. The game is designed by Jun Sasaki. Production is Satoi Hatano. It says cooperation. Now, I don't know what cooperation means, if that's just like a design lab or development or what, but cooperation is Fumahiro Kanaya, Dan Yamamoto, Sayuri Yajima, Bokai, Yuto Fujikawa, and Keiko Makino. English translation was Laura Grundman. 
and it was published by Oink Games. Now, I've talked about Fake Artist Ghost in New York several times. It's a very, very good party game. It only lasts like 10 minutes. It plays for 5 to 10 players. Now, this is one we don't get to play very often because of the 5 minimum, which stinks, but it's a very good game, and so I like having it around. It's a small box. It's easy to carry to parties if anybody wants to play it. The way a fake artist goes to New York plays is very simple. So you're going to have three different types of people. Somebody will be the game master. That person will not participate in the drawing during this game. Somebody will be the fake artist. They do not know what they're drawing, and technically they are teamed with the game master. And then the artists are everybody else. The way the game is going to work is the game master will pick a category, and somebody will pick an item. So your category could be like home, right? So an entire house. And somebody can pick an item that you're actually going to draw. Uh, I mean, it's all the game master. So the game master can give the clue of home, and then he can pick an item for the artists to draw that is like a stove. That makes sense. The art, the fake artist will not know what the stove, will not know that stove is the clue, but they will know home. Everybody else will know stove. So what happens is one at a time, people pass a single piece of paper. They all have different color pins. And they will draw without picking their pin up. They can draw as long as they want, as long as they don't pick up their pin, to draw a stove. Now, the key here is they want to, after two rounds of that paper going around the table, be able to point out and call someone the fake artist and say, you didn't know what you're doing. You're the fake artist. The fake artist wants to be able to participate well enough that nobody else suspects that they are the fake artist. If the fake artist can pull it off, and say that nobody else out. caught them, yeah, that they didn't get called out, then them and the game master win. If the artist, on the other hand, can call out the fake artist, then basically they're going to win. There is some stuff that's like, if you call out the fake artist, and the fake artist doesn't know what you're trying to draw, that's when things are won, but that's all details that you can play when you play the game. Essentially, it's everybody's drawing one thing, you draw a piece of it at a time, and one person has no clue what they're drawing, and you're trying to figure out who that is. So that's the whole game. It's very simple to play, but it's also very fun and difficult, especially as the fake artist. Yeah. So in my experience as being the fake artist, uh, it's probably been a 50-50% chance that I have been able to slide under the radar. It's kind of difficult, really. Um, you know, if you are one of the first, if the piece of paper goes to you first, or you're one of the first two to uh, be one of the artists on there, or that is to make a, a piece of the drawing as the fake artist. You can typically slide under the radar a little bit easier because the drawing's not too far gone. But if you're like the fifth or sixth person and you draw your line and everybody's like, that doesn't belong on a pineapple, then you're going to get called out pretty easily. Not to say it's impossible, but it's a little bit easier for me, at least in my experience, if you're the fake artist to get the paper at the beginning of the game. Oh, definitely. Like having that first, uh, first line or first two or three lines, so much easier than being like the 10th person. It really is. But what's, I don't know, because being the 10th person, though, depends on how much everyone else drew. That's true. If you have a couple of people who are a little more giving in their drawings and, mm -hmm. like, add a little more detail, say, oh, that is a pineapple. Oh, oh, yep. I, th I think that's a bicycle. And so you can add a little bit more at that point. Oh, definitely. It's very difficult as the fake artist because uh, you're, you're trying to be ambiguous with how much you draw, but you don't want to draw so little that they can't figure out what you're doing either. Like, and that's even as an artist. You don't want to say, like, you don't want to look guilty by not drawing enough, but you don't want to draw so much that it gives it away to the fake artist. Right. Like somebody, one of the games we played uh, at Jenwin and Cody's house, 
somebody drew like an entire half of the butterfly wing, like one wing of a butterfly. And I was like, that's obviously going to be a butterfly. This is the easiest. And I was the fake artist. So it was like, okay, that's no problem whatsoever. But it's very fun because it's one of those games where you have to ride the line of like ambiguity and clarity. And it's kind of a two, two against all sort mm-hmm. of manner since the game master is trying to pick something a little easier. Right. And working with them kind of thing. And then you're just watching. And of course it is oink, oink games, which are always simple and fun and really engaging and small enough to fit in your pocket or your purse. Exactly. But it's a very good game. I, I don't know. Is there anything else you can think to say about it aside from just play it? Yeah, just play it. Um, Everyone gets their own color, which I like. You give all sorts of pretty colors. And so mm-hmm. you can pick out, oh, the fake artist is definitely the person who's coloring an orange, Delton. Yep. <laughs> or Haley. But it's really enjoyable. I recommend picking it up. It's not that expensive. It's 20, 25 bucks max, just like every other Oink game. It's really not bad. If you get five to 10 people together, even semi regularly, like once every two months, I think this is worth adding to your table or to your collection for those nights because, like I said, it plays in like 10 minutes. You can play it several times in a row. And it's just every time we've done it, we've played this and then we've played Insider by them. And you can play one of them a couple times, play the other a couple times, and then you're still not up to an hour. We also played Submarine in Montreal. Deep Sea Adventure. Deep Sea Adventure. We went to a board game cafe in Montreal. We did. What was it called? Uh, It was either Rudolph's or Randolph's. And I think it's Rudolph's. Uh, Ladique? Yes. P- Pub Ladique? Pub Ladique. R- Rudolph's Pub Ladique yeah. over on, uh, was it on Saint Denis? Yes. St. Denis, the big Saint street. Dennis. They told us it was Saint Denis. Nah, St. Denis. It is St. Denis. But <laughs> it was a really cool little, uh, like pub type thing. You could get beer, you could get food, and you could play board games. And so we sat and played a couple games. We played two new ones to us and then played one that wasn't. And then we left after that because it was going to start getting dark and we had to take the metro back and walking a lot. And, it was just easier to get out while we could still see where we were going. But it was really fun to play Deep Sea Adventures. It was a pressure luck game that I sucked at, but I want to play it again. Yeah, but Oink is always good, and Fake Artist goes to New York. Uh, it, I mean, to be fair, it can be proxied very easily, which we, uh, we've done. However, I love having the official version and giving them that credit. Support your local game stores and support your favorite game companies. <laughs> there you go, exactly. But that's a Fake Artist goes to New York. It's a very good game. It's very simple. Definitely recommend it. Yeah. I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So the topic for today, I think, ties into everything we've discussed so far, which is feeling out of place. I think that this is something that will ring true to a lot of gamers, especially a lot of gamers who are very sensitive to social situations or very alert in social situations. Uh, it's essentially feeling out of place somewhere more specifically at a gaming event or with a new gaming group or maybe you started playing D&D at your local you know friendly local game store well maybe you feel slightly out of place there and the reason I think this fits is because a fake artist goes to New York when you are the fake artist you feel very out of place you don't know what's going on you don't know the one connector that keeps all the other artists together you're kind of feeling by yourself even though you're still participating and I think that's a perfect like metaphor for how it feels sometimes joining a new group or playing at a a game store with some random strangers. Right. For us, it was how we felt in Montreal, where French is the main language, but everyone still knows English, but they still, they greet you in a French and English at the same time, but most people speak French to each other, and you're kind of... 
out of place. The metro's all in French. The signs are all in French. I mean, we, there was a emergency on the metro, and everything was in French. Like, the metro stopped. It normally runs every two minutes, and we were there for 16 minutes, and we couldn't understand what was going on. And so we definitely felt out of place in that situation. You kind of have to um, figure out, either figure out the language or figure out how to communicate with somebody in order to get what you need. And it's the same in gaming situations as well. Um, you might not know the people that you're playing with. You might, might not know uh, you know, what kind of games they like or how they interact or how welcoming they are. Sadly, sometimes there's gatekeeping involved. You want to make sure that you, know, you can connect with these people. And so it is nerve-wracking to join new groups. It really is. It's always scary because even though like, we play with a lot of people, let's say we go to a board game convention. I mean, TokenCon even just in, here in Oklahoma City. We go down and we play a game. We sit down with some people that we don't know super well to play a game. It's still such a strange feeling because you don't know what connects you all aside from gaming. You know, you may feel out of place because everyone at the table might have inside jokes or, you know, there's some kind of meta between them and you might feel left out. And that's a weird space to be in because I've been in that space many times. Uh, I felt that way with my D&D group for a long time, just kind of the outsider because they've been friends for decades and then i come in just like dee, 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 dee. i'm gonna play i've never played D before i don't know why that went really <laughs> southern and the, i mean it's just it's a weird feeling but i think the main way to get past that is to start first off talking to people finding things that connect you all that's a big thing but immersing yourself in those environments as well yes like for me i mean it's my job to build rapport with people right <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> like I, I have to be able to make those connections as part of my job. And so that helps me in my day-to-day life. But still, it can be it can be nerve-wracking. I'm definitely a lot better at it now that I'm a mental health therapist and I connect people all the time, or at least try to. But it, it can still be nerve-wracking and it can still be, be difficult even for me. I know we joke about I'm the social butterfly in our relationship, but it, it can still come about awkward situations, awkward conversations. You can try and just completely fl- fall flat. It's very true. And I mean, the key to keep, like, the, the main thing to keep in mind is that that's okay. Yeah, that's not the only social group in the world. No, not at all. If you don't click with somebody automatically, it doesn't mean, one, that you're never going to click with them, or two, that that's the only chance you had to make a friend or make a connection. Yeah, exactly. It's not like that if that group, even if just the group as a whole doesn't work out, it doesn't mean that's the end of the world, and it doesn't mean that's the last group you're going to, you know, ever try to be with. You can go to another group and somewhere you'll find people that work. But in those situations, it is. It's finding connections with people, you know, uh, starting off with what brought us here. Are we at a gaming group? Cool. We love games. What's your favorite games? This is my favorite game. You know, how do you like to approach this game? Oh, well, what do you not like about that game? And those conversations can help find a common ground and connected interest, whether it's connected in negativity toward a game or connected in positivity toward a different game. Uh, it, looking for those things are going to help you acclimate to the group or the situation, and it's going to be more pleasurable for yourself because you have to go in with the mindset of, no matter what, I'm here to have fun, and I want to make that my goal, and that's going to be my outcome no matter what. And then it's once you go with that mindset, I feel like it really helps. Yeah, and plus, everybody feels socially awkward. Totally. Everybody's looking to make connection. It's very rare that you have a group of people or a single individual who's like, nope, I have enough friends. I am done making connections with people. Like, even if you have a lot of friends and you're not looking for, like, a quote-unquote best friend, you're still going to want to connect with people. 
And so you're not going into these social situations being the only one who doesn't have a connection. There are many others who don't have connections. Even if they do, they're going to be open to meeting new people and enjoying new things. Like whenever we went to BGGCon and we're playing with Isaac, playing a couple of games. Like he invited people to come play. We invited people to come play that we had never met before. And mm-hmm. it was enjoyable. It was fun. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's what it's about is just having fun in the moment and trying to make the best of it. And if you make a new friend cool, and if you don't want to see that person again, it's fine as long as you had a good time in the process somewhere in there. You tried it. Everyone has moments where they don't fit in. Exactly. You just got to try and give it a shot, and it'll work out. Just like in Montreal, we tried, we gave it a shot, and by golly, we're going to go back it, except next time we're going to learn some more French phrases to try to make it easier. Hey, I at least knew how to ask, where is the bathroom? Beer. Yeah. Do you speak English? I don't speak French. Excuse me, thank you, and hello. That's true. I mean, I whenever we had the like crisis on the, it wasn't really a crisis. Like there was something that was going down in the metro. Was just, just maintenance on the I, metro. I was able to ask a couple people, "Do you speak English?" And by God, I found someone who did. Well, the good thing is, like everyone there does. So they see you panic when they speak French to you, and then they switch. <laughs> uh, I guess it's a new law or something that they, uh, I thought it'd be fun to bring up here on the podcast, is they have to greet you in both English and French. So when you walk in a place, they'll say, bonjour, hello, or bonjour, hi. And it's bonjour, hilarious. Hi. Bonjour, hi. And you're like, wait, well, excuse me? And then they just wait for your response. And if you say hello, they'll speak to you in English. And if you say bonjour, then they'll try to speak to you in French. And so we learned very quickly, just speak English when they do that. <laughs> we should have just started greeting them by Hattie. Howdy. Howdy. Next time, no, that's what I'm going no, to do. It sounds the terrible. The whole trip. It sounds Bonjour terrible. Hi. Hattie. <laughs> <laughs> but being out of place is okay, and it's all going to work out. That's kind of what we're saying here. It's something that's very common, and I think a lot of us have actually felt that way. And now, join us. For a Malt House Games podcast special, bite size question. So, Haley, before we get to the question, would you like to open the beer? One more beer. By that, I mean, would you like me to open the next beer? Open the beer. This is the beer that we had at our wedding, right? Yes, at our fake wedding. At our fake wedding. Which, if you haven't heard the story, we eloped. And then uh, a couple months after that, we had a big quote unquote fake wedding where we had a whole ceremony and reception and everything in front of family and friends and a lot of people. So we call that the fake wedding because legally that wedding did nothing. However, it was still ceremoniously great and a good time with everyone. Plus, we got to drink this beer. So you guys can't see this, but Delton always takes pictures of the cans of beer that we drink and he posts them on our Facebook page or Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. Well, he has this habit of squishing the beer can afterwards. And he just squished the beer can, and now he is blowing into the beer can. He looks like a 17-year-old trying to make a bong. I'm trying to expand it. So this is Grand Sport Porter from Coop Ale Works here in Oklahoma. It has a 6.0 alcohol by volume and an IBU of 43, which means it's not very hoppy at all. How much alcohol? 6.2. No, I'm sorry, 6.0. Grand Sport is a robust porter marked by its finesse and distinct malt backbone. Aromatic notes of chocolate and roasted coffee complement the full-bodied mouthfeel derived from a healthy addition of oat flakes. Dark, roasty, malty, splendid. Grand Sport Porter. But yes, we had this at our wedding. We had a small keg. It was delightful. Give it a whiff. Malty goodness. You can smell it's dark and roasty smelling. You can smell that little bit of coffee. 
It's a clean mouthfeel. You get more of the flavor right at the front and a little bit at the back. It's almost like a metallic-y malty. Almost. It, it, I wouldn't say metallic, but short. There might be a weird way to put it, but it's like you taste it and it's gone. It's fast. It's like boom, taste, gone. There's no linger with it. It's like a bullet train instead of a Grand Sport. Exactly. It has a train on the cover. That's why It's I actually that not. If you look, it's a dude on a scooter going oh, real fast. Oh, I thought it was a train. <laughs> All these I years. I also always thought it was a train, but it's not. It's, it's like a, a Mandela effect, man. I thought it, that was a train. He's on like a some kind of maybe Grand Sport. I don't know if that's an actual scooter type of some sort, but there you go. Well, son of a buck. It's pretty great, but it's a good beer. It's got a good flavor to it. It's not too thick for being a porter. I feel like this was a really good to have after the Bigfoot. It's the, calmer. It's a lot calmer. But it's still robust and flavorful, so it doesn't taste like it's water. Yes. I think that's very true, but it's very good. It's Coop Ale Works, one of our local brewers here in Oklahoma. I mean, Bigfoot is a very difficult beer to follow, but Grand Sport does a good job bringing up the rear. It really does. So the question for today follows directly after our topic because it is, and I spelled it wrong on my spreadsheet here, when did you most feel out of place? So I thought that was fitting. Yeah. So are we going to talk about board games or real life situations or both? Both. All right. So real life, definitely Montreal for me because you get to this city and you tell the person in the, you tell the the cab driver, hey, uh, we need to go to even trying to say it in a French way, Place d'Am Hotel in old Montreal, downtown, you know, down in old Montreal, they don't, like, it's hard to get that across. They did not get what we were saying. Happened to you last time. And it's not pronounced it, Place d'Arms. It looks like it should be Place d'Arms, but it's Place d'Am. And at least that's the best I can do. And it was just tough. It was tough to get that across. And that's immediately started the, uh, the pattern of me not understanding things or not being able to get my point across to some people. However, it really wasn't as bad after that. I got acclimated to it and everything was fine. It was just understanding and learning what different signs mean, learning what push and pull is on a door. (laughs) That was big for me. Now, when it comes to the gaming situations, I think the most I felt out of place in gaming was probably... Oh, this is kind of a tough one, actually. I'm going to say it's probably the first time I went to a Magic tournament down at Game HQ in Oklahoma City with my old friend Patrick from back home. And we went to this tournament, and it was a standard tournament uh, for M10. And I had a really bad blue deck with a bunch of Sage Owls and Phantom Warriors, and it was garbage, absolute garbage, with Gin of Wishes in just the worst place. Gin of wishes. Yes, the gin of wishes. And I did just it you feel it's intimidating as somebody who just learned magic and barely knows anything and didn't really spend any money on anything. It was intimidating. Some of the people weren't very nice, some people were very nice. Uh it was just one of those places where I didn't feel like I fit in. And even to this day, if I go like if me and Brian go to a draft, I don't always feel like I fit in. For some reason I get nervous. I get this feeling of like I'm not good enough to be here. And it happens all the time, but I always end up having a good time by the end. But that very, very first tournament, because we were out to like, it took, I think it was 2 a.m. by the time we got home. That very first tournament was just rough. But 
it all came out okay. I had by the end of it, I had a good time. I had a better understanding of the game, and you know, it all worked out. That's awesome, hun Ben. Yeah. What about you? Well, it's funny because my most out of place board game experiences also revolved around magic. I think it's the very first time that I played magic with you and Brian. We did like a a draft or something like that. Uh, it was my very first draft. I'd only been playing Magic probably a few months. Uh, I think Delton and Brian started hanging out about six months after Delton and I started dating. And we go over to Brian's house for a draft, and I didn't know what the hell was going on. Was this the big eight man? I think so. Okay. But even though I felt out of place and really grateful for Brian, he didn't make me feel out of place. And he even made it to where even though I didn't win, I took home the first place prize, which was a gift card to Dave and Buster's. Yes, it was. But that's something I've always appreciated about Brian. Like I've always like I got into magic whenever Delton and I first started dating, and now I, I'm okay. I can build an okay deck, and sometimes I win. I, mean, I don't expect to win, but Brian has never made me feel dumb. He's always been very, very helpful and engaging, and I really appreciated him from that very first moment. Because whenever I first started that draft, I was like, "What the hell am I doing? I'm gonna be here for six hours. I ruined everything." But it turned out fine. Yes, I knew shit. But yes, it all turned out okay. And I'm grateful for Brian for that. Well, good. So what's your real life situation? I was thinking about this while you were talking. I think it was the time I went to Mardell's bookstore and stood in line for three hours to get Sarah Palin's autograph on her Christmas book. Oh, the one you gave to your grandpa as a gift? Yeah, so <laughs> I am not a Sarah Palin fan. I never have been. But she came through Oklahoma City in like 2012, like December 2012, to... Uh, signed copies of her Christmas Miracles book. My grandpa is such a big fan of her. And I stood in line for three hours with Sarah Palin fans, people who were there for themselves for three hours to get that signature and an, a really awkward picture with Sarah Palin. I have to find that picture because I got a picture with her. You need to. And it was so strange. And for those of you who don't know, Mardell is owned by the people who own Hobby Lobby and it is a Christian bookstore. Yes. And like Christian bookstore and goods and random stuff. So, yes. So I think that's the time when I felt most out of place. And guess what? I could see it. It was so awkward, but I made it out alive. You made it out alive and you got a story to tell. And Grandpa was so happy and proud of me. <laughs> that's so funny still. I'm glad he liked it, though. Well, I think that's going to wrap up the episode. Uh, I feel like we got through everything nicely. We got to do our shout outs, Delty. We do have to do our shout outs. So thank you to our amazing Patreon backers. We have Allison. Woo! We have Jesse. Woo! And we have Catherine. Woo! If you want to be like Allison, Jesse, and Catherine, who are the bestest three Patreon backers at this moment, they support us at the level in which you get a shout out on the podcast. There is limited space for that. Uh, we also have several other levels that you may support us if you like what we do and want to help keep this going and keep this improving. You can figure that all out. Patreon.com slash Malthouse Games. M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S. If you have any questions you want us to answer, any topic you want us to cover, or any game you want us to play and talk about on the show, uh, feel free to send us an email, contact at MalthouseGames.com, or you can hit us up on pretty much all social media at Malthouse Games. You can find me personally at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K, or you can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-E-K. That's Squirrely Geek. At Squirrely Geek. Sorry, I was late on my forgot. That is fine. Well, I think that's going to wrap everything up nicely. Uh, since we are indeed quarantined for 
uh, less than 14 days now, but the next episode will come out. I will guess I'll have been going back to work, but until theoretically then, speaking, theoretically speaking, until then, if you would like to play some video games with me online on PC or on Xbox, um, feel free to message us at Malthouse Games on Twitter. That's the most active for me. Or you could Facebook message me personally at Delton Brack. Or if you would like me to teach you some German cuss words, feel free to send me a DM on Twitter. That's very true. But I have been playing Destiny 2 right now, but I'm willing to play some other things if I own them uh, or whatever. We can figure it out if you're bored and want to play some games because, by golly, video games are helping right now. So I guess until next time, I'm just going to say stay safe, stay away from people. Hopefully everyone in your family and that you care about is healthy and makes it through this and we'll get there. Let's just play some board games in the meantime. And wash our hands. And wash our hands a lot. (laughs) So until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games and wash your hands. (laughs) Yes, please. And we'll see you guys soon. See you folks later. Bye. Bye. Bye.